predicament that the Bucks have going on this offseason besides finding an offensive coordinator you could also argue as important is finding their next starting quarterback and we're going to talk about the veteran QB options for the Bucks on today's show I'm your host Matt Matera joined with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com it is SR Scott Reynolds Scott happy Tuesday how you doing how you feeling about the Bucks quarterback search uh, not great, Matt. I mean, I'm doing great, but I'm not feeling too great about the Bucks quarterback search and situation because it's not ideal. There's no Tom Brady. He's retired. And there's no real clear cut choice on who the Buccaneers should get or will get. And uh, I think it's safe to say, though, that it's going to be a veteran quarterback in the mix. I'm sure Kyle Trask will, will have an opportunity. We'll talk a little bit about Kyle Trask and also Blaine Gabbert. Blaine's not under contract, but is he an option to bring back? Mm. Maybe not to compete for the starting job, but for a backup job, we'll see. So there's there's a aside from the quarterback position, the offensive coordinator position. Those are, that's the one-two punch that, that the Buccaneers need to get moving on and and get figured out before the rest of their offseason plans can fall in place. We talked about the coordinators yesterday. We'll spend some time talking about the veteran options today, and then we'll delve either later in the week or next week into the the rookie options. Uh, that might upset some of the Kyle Trask people out there that want to see Trask be the, the quarterback of the, the present and the future. Mm-hmm. But uh, this team may decide to go with a veteran bridge player, like a, a journeyman uh, bridge the gap kind of guy, and then give Kyle Trask some competition with another young arm and and kind of hedge their bets to see if Kyle Trask can or can't be the quarterback of the future, then they might have another option waiting in the wings if Trask is not up to the task. Whether Trask is the starter or not, we know Bucks fans and Gator fans and Seminole fans will uh, absolutely be talking about Kyle Trask. He seems to be a polarizing figure for a guy yes. that's just trying to, you know, make the team and potentially become a starter, make the same path that he did when he got to Florida, which was sit on the bench, work his way up, finally get that opportunity to be a starter. And then did the most with it, really. And again, that's because he had a lot of weapons around him. Uh, speaking of polarizing, one type of energy drink that is polarizing in the positive way, of course, is Celsius energy drinks. They got some new flavors out right now that you have to check yeah. out. The Fantasy Vibe, which is like drinking a, a creamsicle, and the Sparkling Lemon Lime, which I am a huge fan of. It's like drinking a Sprite, just not as uh, not as intense as you really need it to be. Seven essential vitamins. Make sure you go to your local bodega, your 7-Eleven, other convenience stores to check it out. That's Celsius hashtag live fit. Make sure you check out the fantasy vibe and the sparkling lemon lime flavor. Yeah, Kyle Trask is a is a real rocking interesting the one. fantasy vibe. There today. you go. Scott's Great rocking flavor. the fantasy vibe at the moment. And yeah, the issue with Kyle Trask, if we if we want to start with him, and yeah. you you mentioned it. Uh, former Bucks quarterbacks coach Clyde Christensen talked about it, is the fact that Kyle Trask is a deliberate learner, which is another way of saying a slow learner. And that yeah. doesn't mean that Kyle Trask doesn't understand the offense. It's just it takes a little bit longer for him to click. And you know what? That's kind of fine when you're at the University of Florida and you have a little more time to uh, yeah. you know get it all together. Yeah, you're going to be on scholarship for four or five years there, right? <laughs> right. 
Yeah, but when you, when you go to the NFL, the clock is always ticking. From the second you get drafted to the second that you decide to retire, as Tom Brady did uh, last week, the clock is always ticking. And the NFL, more than any league, I would say, is a results-driven league. You need to get it right. You need to get it going right away. Because if you're a quarterback and you play the prize p- position in the NFL, as soon as you get drafted, that is a historic mark that sticks with the head coach that drafted you, that sticks with the general manager that drafts you, and you're either going to be the face of the franchise or, for lack of a better term, a dud. And I don't want to say laughable, but a guy that you look back on like, oh, yeah, remember him? Yeah, yeah. it didn't really work out, did it? So Trask has been given a lot of opportunities to beat Blank Gabbard as the number two. And maybe we didn't yeah. always expect that his rookie year – but I think last season, last training camp, especially OTAs when Tom Brady wasn't around, and it was just Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert, and then the 10-day hiatus that Brady took during training camp, yeah. that Trask never fully took the reins. Again, if I'm going to advocate for Kyle Trask, I would say never really got to work with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Didn't get to work with the starting offensive line. So I understand the people that say, hey, he never really got a fair shot. And maybe there's some degree of truth to that, but still – Kyle Trask isn't the first guy to come in as a third string, as a second round pick, technically a third round pick as the last uh, last pick of the second round. He's not the last guy to be in that situation. And others have made more with their opportunity that yeah. Kyle Trask has. And that's why he finds himself in the situation that they're in now. I think that's, that's a fair analysis, Matt. I saw it the same way you did. And, and the thing too, is there's gotta be something, there's gotta be a glimmer. There's gotta be something on tape, even in practice when he's running the scout team, that makes the coaches say, "Hey, wait a minute here. Let's let's get this guy, you know, on an even footing with with Blaine Gabbert." But the thing is, he's got to earn it, and yes. he 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 didn't earn it. And keep in mind, Jason Light drafted him. Todd Bowles has been here for every single day that Kyle Trask has been a Buccaneer. It's not like they don't want this guy to ascend, right? But the thing is, is I mean, they have a vested interest in him ascending. There'd be nothing better than the Buccaneers having Tom Brady's successor already on this roster, ready to go. But the problem is, as you mentioned, Matt, Kyle Trask isn't ready to go. He had two years to learn this system, and he didn't master it, didn't beat out Blaine Gabbert. And again, if you're a first-round pick, you're thrust in there, right? We saw that with Jameis Winston. Uh, Any first-round pick who's a quarterback is going to be given the opportunity, right, whether you're Jordan Love at some point or or Trey Lance, even if you're not ready, you're going to be thrust in there. That's just how it is. The problem is you got to remember Kyle Trask was one pick away from being a third round draft pick, mm-hmm. right? The big difference between talent and expectations uh, from a first round pick and a third round pick doesn't mean the third round picks can't make it. I believe Jalen Hurts was a third round pick. If my memory serves, I know Dak Prescott was. So you can rise up. The depth chart, look at Brock Purdy this year. Look at Tom Brady back in 2000 as a six-round pick. Yeah, <laughs> You can rise up if you're good enough, right? If you show the team something to put you in position for that to happen. And we have yet to see that from Kyle Trask. Now, here's one thing I will share about Kyle Trask. And, and Matt, this is important uh, as we delve into Todd Bowles and coach speak, right? Every, every coach has uh, some coach speak in them. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to... I'm going to put up a couple of of, uh, quotes here, one on Kyle Trask and one on Blaine Gabbard, and you and I will dissect them, okay? Here's the first one since we're talking about Kyle Trask right now. This was in January of this year, right before the Bucs played 
the Atlanta Falcons, where we knew that Kyle Trask was going to get, was going to get some playing time in the game. Kyle Trask, uh, this is what Bulls had to say. He has the greatest resolve and toughness and inner strength almost than any person I've seen. Let's just stop right there. That's some pretty high praise. Right? That is. I mean, that is. is that is it hyperbole? We'll, we'll see. You know, a young guy coming out, he prepares every day. When his time comes, he's going to be ready because I see him working at it every day. Now, that's an important sentence. When his time comes, right? Todd Bowles doesn't tell us exactly when that time's going to come. And nor did he say, uh, you know, that this guy beat out Blaine Gabbert for the number two job on my watch when I was the head coach, because mm-hmm. that didn't happen. I'll continue. He has inner toughness, he has inner strength, and he has the drive and the will to win. If you put that together, given the opportunity, and that's the key phrase, given the opportunity, he was given the opportunity this past offseason in training camp in the preseason and didn't make the most of it, I think he's going to take advantage of it. I think, rather than I know, right? There's mm-hmm. some key words in there, right? Todd yeah. Bowles was, was glowing in his praise for Kyle Trask, you look at that and it sounds great. And it sounds like Kyle Trask is his guy, right? Uh, now I'm going to read you what he had to say about Blaine Gabbert. And this is Blaine Gabbert right around the same time in January when he was asked about Gabbert. This is what Todd Bowles had to say. Blaine is a heady player. He's extremely smart. I think he helps out a great deal on both sides of the ball. That means is he gives the defense a really good look in practice and obviously mm-hmm. executes the offense well. He understands what the game is about. He's a competitor. I love what he does for us in practice, getting us looks. I love how he helps Tom Brady out. He's a tough guy. He's one of my favorite players. Okay, so you look at both of those statements. Neither one of them is a ringing endorsement that Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask is the guy. Okay, now he does like both quarterbacks. That's mm-hmm. pretty obvious. I'm I'm always been a proponent where you don't have to gush over somebody and give somebody a compliment, right? It's fair to say that Bowles could have been a lot more tame in both of of these instances, right? But Matt, what do you make of both of these quotes? He's not endorsing either guy. He's he's giving a lot of praise, but he's not endorsing either player. I would say for Bowles' compliments of Kyle Trask, it's almost as if he's trying to hype up Kyle Trask so Kyle can get a boost of confidence, and maybe that'll help him perform on the practice field. Obviously, at the time, besides the Week 18 game, Kyle Trask yeah. isn't getting into any of those games. So maybe boost him up, knowing the situation that the Bucs are going into next season if Tom Brady were to retire, which he now has. The comments he made about Blaine, it very much feels as if, hey, we like Blaine. He's a great locker room guy. Yep. Uh, very likable, of course. Who wouldn't with that that flowing mane that he has? Um, yeah, handsome man. I mean, yeah, there's no doubt. Hair. And sure, he can help out with Brady and the other quarterbacks where he's he's helping out with, with the playbook. And that was really important when Tom Brady first got in there. But that didn't sound anything of the matter of, hey, if he becomes our starter one day, we're going to go places. Now, right. do I personally, Matt Matera, not Todd Bowles, do I trust Blaine Gabbert as a start, starting quarterback? I think if you needed one game and Tom Brady was not available and you had these quarterbacks on the roster, yeah. I would trust Blank Abbott for one game, for right. sure, even if it was in the playoffs or even in the Super Bowl. But I don't know about the entire season. Blank Abbott has looked good in, in different spurts, 
different uh, specific situations. I think the right. blowout against the Detroit Lions a couple seasons ago. Yeah. He was great when he got to play the whole half. Yeah. Uh, this year against Atlanta, he had one of the few scoring drives that the, yeah, uh, the, a the Buccaneers yeah. put together. So I trust B- Blaine in specific situations. Does that mean he's going to be at the start of this year? Not necessarily. And right. what I think is important for Bucks fans to remember when it goes back to Kyle Trask and should he be the starter or why not just throw him out there? He doesn't get to be the starting quarterback just because, well, you've been here for two years and we took you within the t- first three rounds. Right. We're just automatically going to make you the starter. That's not how it works in the NFL. You yeah, have nor, to, nor as you it. said, nor should it. And as you said before, he's got to earn his way. He didn't even earn second string QB. I don't think he should gallop all the way up to QB one just because no one else is in the room. If it was just based on, hey, well, you've been here a, a decent amount, then Ryan Griffin would be the starting quarterback of the Bucks right. going into the season. Even he's not under contract, but I would not be shocked at all. If, if Ryan Griffin comes back again and resumes his practice squad role, overall good guy, Tom Brady, uh, helper, if you want to call it. So I don't think Trask deserves to be the starter just because, yeah. well, he's going into his third season. That's that's not how the and, NFL and, plays. And now out. he's going to have to hit the reset button. He's going to have to learn a whole new offense with a brand new play caller and, and start this process over. And if he's a deliberate learner at Florida and he's a deliberate learner, this is like Christensen's words, folks, not, not ours. This is the former quarterbacks coach of the Buccaneers. If he's a deliberate learner in Bruce Arians' offense, it's going to take some time for Kyle yeah. Trask to, to understand this new offense. Oh, and by the way, he's learning it with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and all the other Buccaneer players. So the chances of, of Trask being on the same page with these guys all at the same time in a new offense is not the best and throw in the fact he has zero NFL playing experience in a regular season game outside of what eight minutes of the Falcons game in week 18. So it's not a recipe for success for the Buccaneers to roll with Kyle Trask. It doesn't mean that he's going to be you know, given up on and jettisoned or whatever. He's going to be under contract for the next two years. He still has a chance to be the Buccaneer quarterback, but yeah, I just want to say real quick, Scott, yeah. he, while he doesn't deserve to be the first quarterback on the roster, he at least deserves a chance to compete. And if he sure. wows and surprises all of us in training camp, right? tip of the cap to him, That's all right. the better for him. He at least yeah. deserves to compete for it, but he's not going to be handed. Right. Really and you know what, Matt, this Bruce Arians system is not an easy one to learn. There's so Correct. many... Uh, choice routes, option routes that the quarterback. Why it took only a lot of veterans to master it, whether it's Peyton yeah. Manning, Carson Palmer, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, you name it, all yeah. veterans. A lot of the rookie guys that came in didn't work for yeah. obvious reasons. Even Tom Brady, right? I mean, he threw a couple of pick sixes in, in, in the first yeah. game as a Buccaneer and against the Chargers uh, where his receivers and Brady weren't on the same page. So it, it, it is a complex system. Perhaps the next system will be a lot more quarterback friendly in terms of of being able to learn it and digest it quicker. Not that Bruce's Arian, Bruce Arians' offense was bad for quarterbacks. It certainly was great for quarterbacks. Once you've mastered it, you can put up four or 5,000 yards, lead the league in touchdowns. That's that's happened a couple times now uh, with Tom Brady. Um, so And Jameis Winston even had a, a prolific year throwing touchdowns, some of which went to the other team in 2019, yeah. seven of those. Uh, but – We'll see how this new offense suits Kyle Trask and whatever veteran this team decides to go with uh, to either you know be here long term 
and help this team win as, as Tom Brady's replacement or a bridge guy. And Matt, let's start talking about some of those veteran options. We talked about some of them yesterday. And, and let me before we begin, uh, we put up two polls, one of which we talked about yesterday. And that was a poll we put up on Monday. Which quarterback do you want to start for the Bucs in 2023? And as we said in yesterday's Peter Report podcast, Derek Carr was the leader in that particular poll. He won the poll with 37.3% of the votes. We had 3,575 votes within 24 hours. Aaron Rodgers was next, 28.4. Kyle Trask was was uh, was next after him, 25.9. And Baker Mayfield was a distant fourth with 8.4%. So what we did was we got rid of, of Rodgers and Mayfield. We kept Carr because he was the leader. And we also kept Trask because he's under contract. And we replaced Rodgers and Mayfield with two other quarterbacks that are veterans. Well, I should say one's a veteran. And the other one was a different option altogether. Mm-hmm. So we've got just under 2,000 votes right now. Which quarterback do you want to start for the Bucks in 2023? And Derek Carr is still the leader, but by a wider margin. He's got a 47.1% of the vote right now. Kyle Trask is second in this instance, 24.8. That's similar to what he had last in the last poll. And then we had uh, Jimmy Garoppolo as the veteran in this one, plus a rookie quarterback from the 2023 draft. Now, that's just any rookie quarterback. And right now, the rookie quarterback is behind Trask. Trask had 24.7% of the votes. The rookie quarterback right now getting 14.8%, the unnamed rookie. And then Jimmy Garoppolo is a distant fourth with 13.1%. So not a lot of Jimmy G fans in the house. But Derek Carr, according to these two polls, is the leader right now in terms of, of the, you know, in the minds of Buccaneer fans, Matt. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it makes sense. Uh, if you look at the veteran QB crop that is available this year, I think we all know and understand that Aaron Rodgers is the number one option, and but that most likely isn't going to be the case, just given that the Packers would have to trade Aaron Rodgers. The Bucs don't necessarily have the draft capital, and financially, yeah. there's a whole a whole lot to get into, which you can check out Josh Capo's article about that on Peter Report. So you look at the next best option, and we do have a super chat from Brandon. Thank you so much, Brandon, for the $6.99 super chat. I was going to get into Derek Carr anyway. He says, Derek Carr seems like such a perfect fit for this team. Good offensive coordinator behind a healthy offensive line with elite receivers. No reason they can't be competitive with them. So, yeah, Derek Carr, I think without question, is the second best option after Aaron Rodgers. He has a big contract number that the – Raiders will have to pay unless they trade him or cut him yeah. by, I believe, the end of next week. It's like February 14th yeah, the, or the 15th. Yeah, the 15th. Right. The 15th. So unless the Raiders are going to find a trade partner, which, again, that's a lot of money that a team would have to commit to Derek Carr. It's like, well, why? The only benefit of making that trade is you guarantee that you were going to get Derek Carr, where if he hits free agency, well, then every single team that wants to be in on the Derek Carr sweepstakes can be involved. Now, uh, Scott, you had an article about the pros and cons of Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the great things that you pointed out, one, the durability. I mean, he yeah. played every single game that he was available for this year. They benched him after 15 games. He's mostly been healthy and played every game in his career with the exception yeah. of one year where he broke his leg at the end of the season, fighting to get the Raiders into the playoffs, which he did, but he wasn't right. able to play in that game. 
got a strong arm. Uh, I think he's a good leader. Um, he's, I think he's a really good teammate. You see him interacting with some of his other guys. Um, the thing that scares me though, with, with Carr, and obviously, you know, good arm, I think he would mesh well with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He has experience working with top level talent. You go back to Amari Cooper. And then this year with his college buddy, Devontae Adams. What does scare me, though, is in 15 games for Derek Carr, he had 14 interceptions, all right? Mm -hmm. And the one thing that the Bucs offense did pretty well, especially for the first half of the season, is that they didn't turn the ball over. And so I don't know if the Bucs necessarily want to get into a quarterback that is, a, for lack of a better term, a turnover machine. You also look at the number of yards that he had. Uh, Derek Carr had 3,522 yards. That was the second lowest in his career since his rookie season. Now, of course, he played two less games, so those numbers are going to come down a little bit. But nonetheless, he wasn't really on the right track. He only had a 60% completion percentage as well. So we're not talking about a guy that is coming off his best season. I mean, he got cut or he got benched by the Raiders for a reason. But I do think there is something to be said about getting that new, fresh start, working with more talent. And the Raiders never really had a good defense around him. Yes, they had Khalil Mack, who would get after the quarterback when he was – with the Raiders. He's now uh, he's been to two other teams since uh, since he's been with the Raiders. Um, But is that a product of the Raiders offense turning the ball over consistently with Derek Carr? Or did he just never work with a great defense? And therefore he has to continuously pass it. We kind of saw that with Jameis Winston, who we could talk about a little bit later too. There's things I like about him. I like his overall confidence and leadership and how he'd mesh in the locker room. But, you know, and you can't just look at the stats, but 14 interceptions in 15 games is, is a little bit rough to look at. Yeah, and, and you're right. He is coming off of a down year. And the thing is, Derek Carr signed that contract extension. It was basically a one-year prove-it deal. And Derek Carr bet on himself out in Vegas, and the house won, not, not Derek Carr. And again, part of that might be the supporting cast on the defensive side. But what's kind of damning is you look at the offensive talent that was around Derek Carr. And you you say, well, maybe he comes to Tampa Bay. He's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to throw to Rashad White, you know, Kate Otten. Okay, well, is that better, though, than what he had to work with with the Raiders? I mean, you look at at, at a Pro Bowl receiver in Devontae Adams, a Pro Bowl tight end in Darren Waller, a really good slot receiver in Hunter Renfro, a Pro Bowl running back in Josh Jacobs, and then a change of pace back that can catch the ball out of the backfield in Kenyon Drake. I mean, that that Raiders skill position group is just as good as yeah. the current Tampa Bay group, if not better. So now the offensive line, is that better? Well, the 2021 offensive line in Tampa Bay was great. The 2022 version of the offensive line, not so great. And we'll see how how Ryan Jensen comes back from his, his knee injury. And if he can get back to that Pro Bowl caliber form, then you've got him and you've got Tristan Wirfs as a pair of pro bowlers. Is Shaq Mason going to really step up in a, in a contract year and, and be a better version of himself? He was an okay replacement, I think, for, for Alex Kappa, but he, he wasn't really a huge upgrade. And then the left guard position, is that going to be a new and improved Luke Gedeke? Is it going to be a, a better version of, of, of Nick Leverett? Or is Robert Hainsey going to slide over there and be a better uh, option at left guard? And Donovan Smith, is he going to be back? Or are they going to cut him? We'll have to see, but it was a little frightening when you look at Derek Carr, and I would say I am a Derek Carr proponent. I'm okay with with the Bucs acquiring him, but he did have that down year. He's had back-to-back seasons now where he had 14 interceptions. That's not a whole bunch. It's not Jameis Winston level, Mm -hmm. 
But at the same time, you know, he went six and nine as a starter. He really was not a winner with the Raiders. He had a 63 and 79 overall record. So you can't sit there and say that he is going to come here and automatically be a winner. Will he be a better quarterback than the options that are out there? Yeah, maybe. But what is it going to cost to, to get him? And you know what? I'm almost thinking now, Matt, that because he has that no trade clause option, he may just screw the Raiders and nix yeah. every opportunity for them to trade him and then ultimately be able to sign wherever he wants in free agency and force the Raiders to cut him. And I think what? that's honestly how this is going to play out. Why not? I mean, he had that for those that watched either the Pro Bowl or the, the Pro Bowl games that they had during the week. They somehow Derek Carr made it, even though he was benched as the starting quarterback. Yeah. Tyler Huntley made it, too. But that's another conversation for another day. Yes. But anyway, <laughs> Ryan Clark was talking to him and he's like, is this the hottest you've ever felt on the field in Las Vegas? And he's like, yeah, that's probably why I'm going somewhere else after this season. Right. So he obviously knows what's going on with the situation. And you know what? I'm with them. I would say screw them. They're going to bench me. Yeah. Fine. I'm not going to agree to anything. If people yep. say, well, it's a business. And anytime the team makes a cut or or release, it's like, oh, it's, it's part of the business. It's part of the game. But when a player's like, screw this, I'm out. Uh, then it's like, oh, well, this guy's so selfish. He doesn't care about the fans and his team. No, you do you, Derek Carr. And if yeah. it's with the box, great. And if it's with another team, good for you as well. I like the comment that Nathan had up before where you're saying that Carr – you know, he had to go up against Patrick Mahomes and Justin right. Herbert four times a year. So obviously that's a very tough decision, tough division to go up against. Yeah. So moving to the NFC South, hell yeah. I mean, it's a lot easier competition. Doesn't mean you're right. gonna walk to the NFC South championship, but I, I, I think it's would you rather play in the NFC South or really any other division? I would take the NFC South against the field. Yeah, and you know what? I, I don't think Derek Carr would shy away from having to replace Tom Brady. I mean, he he seems pretty grounded in who he is. He's a confident guy. He's not cocky. Um, I, I don't think he would have any problem coming in, fitting in with this coaching staff, fitting in in the locker room, and embracing the challenge. Uh, I, I like Derek Carr coming out of Fresno State back in 2014. Yeah. Matter of fact, he was selected two spots ahead of the Buccaneers in the second round. The Bucs they picked Austin Safarian Jenkins, the failed tight end out of Washington. But mm. there was some talk that the Buccaneers, well, they needed a quarterback that year. They ended up getting Mike Evans in the first round. But was it, you know, were they going to pick Johnny Manziel, Blake Bortles, who actually went ahead of them? That you know, there were yeah. some some serious quarterbacks uh, in discussion there. Teddy Bridgewater was one of those those players. Would they have picked Derek Carr in the second round? Uh, that would have been interesting, right? To have. Yeah, one-two punch of Mike Evans and Derek Carr it might have changed the Buccaneer franchise uh, in in many ways. Maybe some positive, maybe some negative. If Carr didn't work out here, but but it would have been interesting to see. And and now they'll have a chance to to get a thirty-two-year-old veteran. He'll be thirty-two in in March, and he's a lot more mobile than Tom Brady too. And and I will say this: when you look at at the quarterbacks that were in the Bruce Arians offense whether it was you know, Andrew Luck, whether it was Carson Palmer, whether it was Tom Brady, those were all pocket passers. Ben Roethlisberger back in mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, the big six-foot-five, six-foot-six type pocket passer quarterbacks, that's not necessarily what, what Todd Bowles is looking for. He's looking for a winner. He wants a, a quarterback that will win, and that's the name of the game. So that may come in a six-foot-one dude. That may come in a six-foot-five dude. That may come in a pocket passer. That may come in a guy that has some ability and could scramble. 
Todd Bowles is a lot more open to who his quarterback is going to be than Bruce Arians was. Todd does not care if the Bucs win 45 to 15 or 12 to 10. As long as it says that the Bucs won the game, then yeah. that's most important. Mark Fisher with the comment here. Don't you all think we can win with a game manager quarterback like Brad Johnson? Offensive line healthy, throw deeper. I like Carr. I absolutely think, and this is, these go back to discussions that we had last year when Tom Brady initially retired, that we were talking about, hey, the Bucs have great players at all the other positions. They're still in a win-now mode. They just need the correct quarterback to steer the ship, to right yeah. the ship. I think the Bucs, to a little bit of a lesser degree, but are still in that mode of right. good talent, have enough to get the job done, just get a quarterback that doesn't make too many mistakes. Now, a lot of this will depend on having the right offensive coordinator, getting the best out of this offense that can average at least 22 points per game or, or right. whatever it is. Just anything better than last season. And I think that eight and nine record could flip to, you know, 10 and seven or, or something like that. Yeah. So I absolutely think if the Bucs don't want to get Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers, and we could talk about Rodgers, but I think we're all in agreement. If he's available, the Bucs get him. Just the cap doesn't necessarily work, and yeah. he's older in age. But if you can get a guy that you can trust to hold on to the ball, make some plays down the field, I'm all for it because the Bucs can still make the playoffs. It's just a matter of yeah. don't get in your own way. Right. Now, listen, he wasn't – he's certainly not a favorite amongst Peter Report uh, readers and subscribers to our, our Twitter account in terms of the poll – but Jimmy Garoppolo is is worth talking about. Yes. I am not a Jimmy G proponent. Now, there are some things to like on the surface. The fact that he was maybe 38 and 17 in San Francisco with 82 touchdowns and 42 interceptions, right? Those are pretty good numbers, and you don't want to ignore those. The problem is Garoppolo is going to come, like Carr, with, uh, with a bunch of, of money. It's going to take a fortune to get this guy. I think there will be a market for him. I think there's some team that will pay in excess of 20 25 million dollars for Garoppolo when he is you know is, is out there on in the free agent market but here are a couple of things that you have to understand i'm going to read the the years that he spent in san francisco and how many games he started and also what his record was to be fair in 2017 his first year he started off 5 and 0 in san francisco the problem was he got hurt and he only played 5 of the 16 games that year the next year, Garoppolo got hurt again in three games. He was 1-2 as a starter and played three of 16 games. Now we're, we're talking about in his first two years in San Francisco, playing eight games right out of 32. Then we all know what happens in 2019. He played all 16 games for the first time and went 13-3 and as a starter. The 49ers lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. And with that big contract and just coming off of the Super Bowl, that was enough for both Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch to tell Tom Brady, no thanks. We're going to stick with Jimmy G. You go to Tampa and win a Super Bowl. That's not what they said. That's what happened. Then the next year after that Super Bowl loss in 2020, Jimmy G gets hurt again and, and ends up starting six of 16 games and went three and three in those games. Then you're talking about the 49ers realizing that, hey, Jimmy G just can't stay healthy, Matt. So what do they do? They draft Tra Trey Lance in the first round. And Trey Lance is not quite ready. And Jimmy G goes nine and six as a starter in 2021. Now he did start 15 of 17 games. So he's a little bit more durable then. But then last year happens. Trey Lance 
starts the season. He gets hurt. Jimmy G is is there, right? As the yep. uh, as as the the backup who they wanted to get rid of, but thankfully they didn't. So he goes and plays ten games out of seventeen, going seven and three. Then he gets hurt again. So in one, two, three, in six years in San Francisco, he played sixteen of sixteen games in twenty nineteen and fifteen of seventeen games in twenty twenty one. That's it. So he missed a lot of games. Then you look at his postseason record. He was five and two in the postseason. Well, was he, or was it just the 49ers offense yeah. <laughs> and defense? Because he threw four touchdowns, six interceptions, including the Super Bowl, and had a 60.6 completion percentage. And let's not forget, this team is ready to move on from Jimmy G for Brock Purdy, right? And they drafted a quarterback in the first round in Trey Lance, Matt. So the 49ers, given all of his success out there, or supposed success, going 38 and 17 as a starter, how much of that was Jimmy G? And how much of that was the 49ers defense and the Mike Shanahan, or I should say the Kyle Shanahan offense? Well, how much of it was? Well, look at Brock Purdy. He was undefeated yeah. as a starter, as Mr. Irrelevant this year, until he hurt his elbow in the NFC Championship game. So I Jimmy. think the 49ers have figured out what, what, what Buck fans who want Jimmy G should realize. Jimmy G was not the reason for the 49ers' success. He was simply a byproduct of it. Jimmy G had a great thing going with the Kyle Shanahan offense until everybody learned that, oh, almost like any quarterback in the NFL can run it with Brock Purdy. And yeah. to your point about the injuries, they didn't – someone might say, like, oh, maybe it's just the 49ers organization because then Purdy got hurt and and um, Trey Lance got hurt as well. Yeah. No, 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 no. Remember, when Jimmy G was in New England, he got to be the starter when Tom Brady was suspended for Deflategate. And Jimmy G, in the four games that he was going to get the start, right. I think got injured in the second or third game. And he then did. Jacoby Brissett became yeah, the starting quarterback. Jacoby so, Brissett. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of the backup quarterbacks, which, yeah, we'll talk about Jacoby as well. A lot of the backup quarterbacks got their start because Tom Brady's Deflategate. And, again, that's a stupid suspension. But yeah. the thing I do like about Jimmy G I like him as a regular season quarterback and I'll get to everything that happened with him in the playoffs, but you mentioned his record 38 and 17, the guy wins. And sure. A lot of that was with the, the 49ers pieces and components working with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and, and George Kittle. Well, I like the idea of Jimmy G working with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rashad white. And no, he doesn't have the strongest of arms, but again, if you're not in the Bruce Arians type of offense, Jimmy G doesn't necessarily have to chuck it down the field. I like the idea of Chris Godwin getting open five, six, seven yards down the field, working in the slot, maybe having another slot receiver in there, depending on what they decide to do with Russell Gage. Jimmy G wins. And I know it's a team sport, but you know, sometimes just being able to get the job done, be that game manager at times, I don't think necessarily Jimmy G should get absolutely crushed for that. Now, you point out his record in the playoffs. I specifically remember there's two two games specifically or three games specifically where it was like, uh, yeah, Jimmy G, good regular season quarterback, yeah. but I don't know if he can really do it in the playoffs. One of them was last season against the Cowboys. Yeah. The 49ers oh, okay. had it won, and he just threw one of the most egregious interceptions yeah. I had ever seen. That gave Dallas a chance to win the game. Ultimately, the 49ers defense showed up, but it's like, right. Jimmy, you had some guys wide open. We broke down the tape after absolutely wide open. You remember the, the year that they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Chiefs? Remember they played the Packers in the NFC Championship game? That's right. Jimmy attempted like seven passes. They yeah, ran was, it for he was 300. six of eight. Yeah, okay, six sorry. Eight, eight, eight passes. For, 
Yeah, for 77 yards. So th this is what Jimmy G has done in the playoffs back in 2020. Now, remember, this is the 2019 season, but it was January of 2020. Against the Vikings, he was 11 of 19 for 131 yards, one touchdown, one interception in a 27 to 10 win over the Vikings. The next game you're talking about, Matt, they beat the Packers somehow 37 to 20. Jimmy G is six of eight for 77 yards. That's it. And then in the Super Bowl, a game that, that the 49ers had the lead in the fourth quarter, but ultimately lost. Jimmy G was 20 of 31. That's 64 percent for 219 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And then if you go back to the playoffs, the most recent stretch here, that Dallas game you're talking about, he was 16 of 25. So that's 64 percent mm. for 172 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. And then. They go up to Green Bay again. They beat the Packers 13 to 10. And the numbers on Jimmy G, not much better. 11 of 19, that's 57% for 131 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. And then you look at, at the, the loss to the Rams, the eventual Super Bowl champions last year, in the NFC Championship game, 16 of 30, 53% completion percentage, 232 yards, two touchdowns, but a killer late game interception in the fourth quarter that sealed the deal for the Rams. So I just don't have the confidence in the money that you're going to pay for Jimmy G that he is going to stay yeah, healthy that's... and that ultimately he's going to deliver in the, in the playoffs. Cause at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. Get into the playoffs and winning. And, uh, and we, we don't know if Jimmy G can, can really do that. Yeah. That's the without a great thing. supporting it, cast, the it, yeah. 49ers defense and weaponry included. Right. Yeah, the money is the big thing. The last one I was going to say real quick was the Super Bowl. That last drive, he had a guy open, he overthrew him. So it's the big moments you gotta you gotta think about and, and worry about. Uh, we're gonna talk about a couple more QB options that maybe we like and we don't like. I know there's one in particular that I'm willing to take a flyer on. But first, let's hear a message from our friends at Age Rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to Age Rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. You know, don't be surprised when you're in your 40s, 50s, or 60s if you're feeling sluggish, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling kind of physically weak. That might be a lack of testosterone, guys. And that's natural. And that's normal because we don't feel as young as we do when we were in our 20s and 30s. There's a way to fight it, though, with testosterone therapy. That's what I've done. That's what former Bucks tight end John Gilmore has done. Just go to agerejuvenation.com, sign up for their free, no risk, no obligation consultation, get your labs done, your insurance will pay for it, and they'll te test your testosterone level. And if you have low testosterone, you can save $500 right now by mentioning Pewter Report with their free testosterone, uh, or I should say with their first testosterone treatment. That's a heck of a deal, $500 off. And guys, you, you will look and feel better. Um, trust me, I... I'm going to be 51 uh, in just a couple of months, and I feel like I'm 40. It really does turn back time. Five Tampa Bay Area locations to serve you, agerejuvenation.com. Don't wait. Take care of your health here in 2023 with Age Rejuvenation.
Scott, we've had some good conversations, so we're running a little bit long with some of the yep. other options, uh, you know, that are that are on the table. So I'm going to list off two guys that I would like as a bridge quarterback for the Buccaneers going into this season. There's a couple that I don't like as well that we could talk about maybe on sure. another episode as well. Um, the first guy Bucks fans are pretty familiar with, Taylor Heineke. Now, he had a 62.2% completion percentage through for uh, 1,859 yards, 12 touchdowns, and six interceptions. A little bit more mobile. I mean, obviously more mobile than Tom Brady, but uh, had 96 rushing yards on 28 attempts and had a rushing touchdown. Now, obviously, his claim to fame is balling out against the Bucs in the wild card round of the uh, 2020 season in the playoffs. A lot of first playoff appearances for many Buccaneers, but he was able to to really ball out in that game, kept it close, and then defeated the Buccaneers, a team effort, right. of course. But Washington defeated the Bucs the following season in 2021. A little bit of revenge there. Uh, he doesn't have the best skill set. He's obviously, you know, been kind of a journeyman, played in the XFL, but he has the quintessential definition of moxie. He's a gamer. Yeah. I like that he gets after it. I have no really stats or things like that that can back it up and say, all right, he's going to be the guy of the future. He's 30 years old, so would be a real stopgap type of quarterback. But I just like the idea of an intense gamer type of guy. He's going to be kind of like the Jim McMahon banging his own head against the wall, you know, <laughs> yeah. before games. And I don't know, I kind of like that attitude, you know, that he's going to go all in. He buys a pair of Jordan sneakers with the colors of the opponent that he just beat. I like that type of attitude. Yeah. I think that's like a cool little thing that can resonate to other players. This other guy, we haven't talked about him too much, and he has a very, very small, small resume slash sample size. But you could get him on the cheap, and he's had a track of winning last season, and that is yeah. actually Cowboys backup quarterback Cooper Rush. He went 4-1 and one last season while Dak Prescott was injured. Of course, the Bucs injured him in the first game of the season. Right. Now, the teams that they beat, uh, the Giants were in there. The one game that he lost was the last one against the – the Eagles. So when he played against better competition, it kind of all went rough shot for him. The Cowboys also never scored more than 25 points per game. But you talk about game manager, a guy that's not really going to turn the ball over, worked with good talent, worked with a good defense. I like the fact that he went four and one when he went in there. He also won a game for the Cowboys the year before. Not the most skilled guy, but right. took his time, learned, understands the offense and was able to do what was asked of him. And if we're talking about stopgap bridge quarterbacks, I like Cooper Rush over some of the other guys like Sam Darnold, Gardner Minshew, and Jacoby Brissett and Teddy Bridgewater. So those yeah. are the two quarterbacks that I personally would go for. Well, I'm not going to advocate for Jacoby Brissett, but I will say this. Um, I, I definitely think that he is kind of a Todd Bowles-type quarterback for a couple of reasons. Number one, he beat Todd Bowles this year, right? That David Njoku touchdown to send yeah. it in overtime and uh, and win the game in Cleveland. That was, that was a, a really, really bad loss for the Buccaneers. But Jacoby Brissett is is kind of a Todd Bowles type quarterback in the fact that he's a game manager he's conservative he typically is not going to beat you he's not had the best supporting cast whether it was it was in Indianapolis where he went four and 11 as a starter uh in one season he also went seven and eight as a starter in 2019 in Indy he went two and three as a starter in Miami including a loss to Tampa Bay and then seven I'm sorry four and seven as a starter last year in Cleveland while he was the placeholder for Deshaun Watson. But there are a couple of things to like about him. He typically is not going to get you beat with interceptions. 
Uh, he's most every, interceptions he's thrown in a season was seven, and that was in 15 games. That that's a pretty reasonable number. 23 career interceptions with 48 touchdowns. So it's just about a two to one touchdown interception ratio. He's not a long term option, guys. This is a kind of a cheap starting caliber quarterback that's a bridge or maybe Kyle Trask, or if you draft a rookie to put in the mix with Kyle Trask, this is somebody that you want to be a bridge to whoever the starter is going to be in 2024. And for all you people out there that want the Bucks to tank, well, you should want Jacoby Brissett then because <laughs> if, if he doesn't work out, then the, they will have a top 10 draft pick in 2024 where they can get a quarterback. Maybe it's Caleb Williams or Derek May or Jalen Daniels, or one of those quarterbacks that will be available next year. But I just think that Jacoby Brissett is the type of quarterback that could be a cheaper veteran option if they don't go out and get someone like Derek Carr, uh, if they if they swing and miss on Carr or don't want him, and they're looking at, at uh, you know, a, a tier that it would also include Baker Mayfield. I think Jacoby Brissett will be in the mix. I'm not saying he should be the guy, but Baker Mayfield and – Jacoby Brissett, I think, would be uh, a, a Todd Bowles type quarterback to, you know, get you through 2024, and maybe you cross your fingers and hope you have the next Geno Smith on your hands. Who knows? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. You saw what Geno was able to do this year. I will say with Brissett, I trust him again. If it's like a three game situation, you know your starter's going to be out. Brissett's in there. I like that, but when he plays for longer than three, four, five games, he tends to get exposed a, a lot more. So that's why I don't like the idea of him being the starter for the Bucks. But we yeah. do have a $10 super chat from Teddy. Thank you so much, Teddy. He says, as far as super realistic options go, part of me likes the idea of Bowles and Baker. It would be likely, it would likely be their final opportunity to be a starter head coach, the quote, last chance mentality could produce something. Yeah, I mean, they could both go down swinging. Obviously, we talked before about Heineke with the chip on your shoulder. That is very much Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And it is trying to find that flash in the pan a la yeah. Geno and, Smith. And he, re he resuscitated his career a little bit, right, with that stint with the Rams. Didn't win all those games. I think he went two and three as a starter. But, but still kind of had a little bit of a rebound bounce out there in L.A. Uh, on a, a really downward trodden Rams team this year. Uh, Jameis Winston is is going to get cut. I don't see him coming back to Tampa Bay. I, I don't think that an Ellis and Bruce Arians will be gone. And certainly, and, and Byron Leftwich as well. This would be a new offense. Jason Light drafted the guy. I just don't know that this is an environment where Jameis would want to come back to. Uh, you know, didn't really end well uh, here. Uh, can Jameis come back and be a backup? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you'd I do, want I, that. Like, you know, would he rather be a backup literally anywhere else or yeah. with the Bucs? I think it would right. rather go somewhere. Now, else. the thing is, he he would come cheap, like Brissett probably, and like Baker Mayfield, and there is a lot of dead cap money to get rid of. So that's that's why I'm saying Brissett uh, is is maybe the kind of guy that will help the Buccaneers get out of that type of, of cap situation and be a cheaper alternative than a Derek Carr would be. And you also mentioned Taylor Heineke, Matt. I think Heineke's in that same mix as well. Uh, Taylor, Tony Saylor, uh, Brissett and draft uh, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Light needs a good draft. He's only drafted well with high picks. Yes, Jason Light needs to have a home run draft this year to help the Buccaneers, who will be in a salary cap uh, tight situation this year. And Matt, with a lot of starters probably not returning in free agency, they're going to have to get probably four or five starters from this draft class this year. And really, one or two of those guys have got to be impact-type players. 
Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield caliber type players, yeah. I think. Yeah, they absolutely need to dominate the draft this year. And a lot of the quarterbacks they're looking at is because they are they are in a tough financial situation. So they got to be smart with their finances and who they decide to pick. If you want to be smart with your finances, the best place to go to would be to work with Muni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. I uh, got to get to Colorado. Well, Sean Payton went to Colorado. He's out there with the Denver Broncos now, and he's going to be working with Russell Wilson. It helps to have a veteran quarterback in this league for success, folks. It does. It just does. Well, you know what also helps to uh, to you know give you the advantage, uh, not just a veteran quarterback, but also managing your cap, your own personal cap. That means your own personal wealth, and you can get that done at Immuni Financial. There's simply more about allocating your assets. It's legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts for the kids, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience, not just in the Tampa Bay area, not just in Florida, but across the country, let Immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Give them a call at 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immunity.com. Before we close out the show, wanted to wish a very happy birthday to Christopher yes. Oxentine. He says, hey, Scott, it's my 51st birthday today. Happy I am not Scott, but I will yeah. still wish you a happy birthday, Christopher. Hope you have a great day. Thank you for all your support. Yeah. And, uh, and Christopher, if I can make a recommendation for where you as an Overland Park resident should go for your 51st birthday, it's a place I'm going to be going to in about two weeks when I go visit my daughter out of Kansas State. I'm going to go to Taco Villa. That's right. Taco Villa is one of my old favorite stomping grounds, some of the best cheap Mexican food you can find. So I recommend, Chris, you head to Taco Villa tonight, have a nacho, have a couple tacos for me, because I'm going to be enjoying some of those in a couple of weeks when I fly into Kansas City. So there you go. Very awesome. And also a happy anniversary to all the Bucks fans out there. Two years ago today, That's right. the Bucks won their second Super Bowl in franchise history, defeating the Kansas City Chiefs. 31 to nine. So great birthday for Chris and uh great to happen uh, on the same day as the anniversary. Yeah. So that was an awesome birthday for Chris. Back it then. was. I yeah. uh, just want to remind everybody that tomorrow's show and Thursday's show will be at 7 PM. That's right. We are going prime time. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, 7 PM tomorrow and Thursday. And if you're not already doing so, please follow us on our social media at Peter report on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Peter Report TV. If you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy the various clips that we put out, please just do us a favor. Hit that like button, subscribe. It's absolutely free. It just lets you know when uh, we go live with uh, new content. So uh, that's going to do it for us today. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow in prime time for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Peace out. Out.